Hello and welcome back to the Bible Study Girl podcast. This is Sarita, also known as Bible Study Girl, and I'm just a girl with something to offer the world. The first voice that you heard was the executive producer of this podcast, Bible Study Brother. It is I, Bible Study Brother, but I am also known as Icarus Gray over at Gray Area Anime, and this is the most wonderful podcast of your day. And as my sister often likes to say, we are related by blood from the same mother, not just brothers and sisters in Christ. We are brothers and sisters of the same womb. Mother. Mother. Yes. Same womb. Mm-hmm. I mean, same thing. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for filling in the blanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, so, brother, before we get too deep and too started in today's podcast, I would love for you to share the scripture for the day. Scripture for today is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Uh, I'm also reading ESV, by the way. Uh, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I think that's a good message and a good a good scripture to get this day started off. We've got some special things in the pocket, but before we start on the purpose of today's episode, how was your week? Week was uh pretty great. I've been fighting sinuses all week. Um, I feel the most like myself today. Um, and things are breaking up. My chest congestion doesn't feel like fire. Uh, I slept pretty well today. Probably way more good than I should have. I think you slept really, you probably slept really, really well today. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, real long time. Yeah. Getting my, um, my sleep schedule back on in order is, is going to be a part of my, uh, rest of my week. But how is your week? My week has been great. We've been snowed in, which is not a regular occurrence. And I've been enjoying the snow. Um, my friend said I was looking like a little kid, just looking out the window at the snow. You know, Fitz usually uh, is on the couch, like looking out the window. And I took his spot. I was just on my knees <laughs> looking out the window at the snow falling. So it's been a good week. I think the only thing that's like wonk wonk is because I work from home now. I haven't had snow days, but I I didn't have to go out. So that's always a plus and an extra. Oh, I'm going to say this. I did go out last night with your mom. So we started working out. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I'm like, the gym is closed because the roads are trash and horrible. But she texted our trainer yesterday and was like, hey, is the gym closed? And the trainer was like, yeah, when the schools are closed, we're closed. Cool, cool, cool. But because my mom and so many other people were texting her, she decided to open up the gym last night. So we had a torturous hour workout. And she was like, you wanted to be here, didn't you? And I'm like, actually, no. I was, I was at home. And my mama, she was like, your mama texted me. And I'm like, mom, you, you see what you, you happy now? She, I mean, it was it was intense last night. It was an hour of power. Uh, my body is grateful for it, but I was like, because you know, my mom was like, I'll come pick you up. Like, okay, yeah, so I, I went. Mean, but, we let her yeah. get the truck, bro. As soon as we let her get the truck, it was a wrap, <laughs> fam. Yeah, she was like, I, I can drive, I can get everywhere. She was, hmm. oh, anyway. and she's had to drive, she's driven in every car. In every bit of weather, given her uh, yeah, job she, situation, so right, she doesn't have a choice. She's a nurse, so she's always ready to hit the road, and she has to be at work. And so it was just another regular day for her. And because of her, had a little extra torture this week, but it's good because I've been just sitting at home, not going anywhere, eating lots of fat and stuff, and so it was mm-hmm. good to get my body moving, but exhausting. So. That's my week in a nutshell. I'm very excited about today's episode. We have a special guest. Are you playing some special uh, Of course, of course I am. You got special sounds? Okay, because you know I can't there's hear them over here. There's applause. Okay. <laughs> 
we have a special guest. The one of the things the Bible study brother and I have been talking about is the fact that the root of this podcast is sharing our faith stories and sharing our faith journeys. And I'm so grateful that we get to start off 2024 with a faith journey. It's not just us yippity yapping in your ear. Um, so I'm going to let Bible study brother take it away and executive produce. I just had to lob the ball at him because I'm a great <laughs> lobber. Well, guys, today we are back to doing guests. Thank God. One more round of applause. And uh special. Can I say something? Yes. We're gonna we're gonna get to the special guests, but I wish I could control the special sounds. Okay. Why? That's all. <laughs> well, you wouldn't do anything good with them. You just uh I would do all the cool stuff and I would have a lot of special sounds, but continue. Anyway, the guest <laughs> today is someone I've known for a very, very long time. Um, by just amount of age, uh, I am technically the eldest of her children, the firstborn, if you will. Um, you know, by just, you know, not, not naturally, but just by matter that I was here first, uh, an ordination of God. Um, <laughs> Lord, I should have did the introduction. <laughs> I don't know why you let me do it, but. Here we go. I don't know why. And I try so, though. See, I give you opportunities. You do. And what do you do and, with your foot? You put it in your mouth. Go nah, ahead. I just tell the <laughs> truth. And anyway, so basically, long story less long. We have the because yeah, you are the long story. Go ahead, brother. Glorious. <laughs> uh, the mother of my dear loving wife. Uh, we have today my mother, Catherine Marie Merritt. Yay! I'm clapping. Hello. The applause also broke off. Okay, I figured it was. <laughs> all, all claps for everyone. I know you like your little buttons and stuff. We are so thankful to have you on the podcast today. I want to apologize on behalf of my mother and me. I mean, you got him how he is. Really, I would say it's more of mama's fault. Um, but I also want to thank you for raising such a tenacious and faith-filled daughter. Kanae really is a blessing, and I pray for her every day, because I don't know how she lives with my brother. So <laughs> you really, you poured into her, and she's a phenomenal woman. I'm glad that we get the opportunity to do life together, and I'm also glad that you agree to sit down and talk to us about your faith journey. It's one of my favorite things in the world, to talky-talky-talky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. I feel privileged to be asked. And uh, there is a bit of rivalry on that side. Joe tells everybody that he's my favorite. And then, I, of course, because I have uh, this little condition called poking a bear with a short stick, I also bought a uh, towel for him that says, uh, what does it say, Joe? Uh, you don't it's like favorite firstborn, like a favorite first child. One favorite child is on the is on my towel. So, it's on the towel. So, so you are feeding into this. Yeah. You know. I, I, you know, the you facts know, is the facts. I, it is what it is. You know, it's <laughs> I think it's funny because uh I I was literally talking just a little story. I don't know if Joe ever told you about him and Kanae's first date. No. Him and Kanae, when Kanae, when he came to pick up Kanae, he had to face me and my best friend, Kim. Now, mind you, my best friend, Kim, is 4'11", but, you know, we're very, we're very <laughs> intimidated. And, <laughs> so we literally almost reenacted the scene from Bad Boys when the, when, what's his name, shows up to take Marcus's daughter out. Really? So that's how, yeah, <laughs> yes. And I patted him down and was like, what's in your pocket? And Raphael told him, you're not taking my sister nowhere. Like, literally, Joe had to fend for his life. Uh, <laughs> I think Ralph was five, but <laughs> ready to do something bad to Joe. And Joe didn't know it. He just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> half the size of my leg at this point. Like, not even, like, like 
we're not even the same height at this point like we are now. But, he just yeah. wanted you to know it's serious business. You yeah. coming to play with his sister and no. Apparently I brought them candy at some point and it was all good from there. I don't yeah, even remember this. He's like, he not taking my sister nowhere. I'm just like, <laughs> and close the door. And close yes. the door. Like, yeah, like, the door. Uh, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I appreciate a man with a made up mind, even if he's a little man. <laughs> I appreciate that. As long as it ain't your brother. And he was like, whoa, well, where you're taller now. <laughs> so you meant. So you mentioned Ralph, um, and we know about Kane. Let's go back in time before you ever had children. To <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know your faith story. So how old were you when you accepted Christ? Like what? What so, age? What was life looking like? Okay, so I did accept Christ as a child. Okay. The funny thing is, when I say I accept Christ, I actually joined church, but I had been being taken to church way before I actually stood up before and said, you know, because I grew up in a family where there are a lot of ministers on both sides. Mm-hmm. Dad's side on my mom's side. So we we were not a family that went to church every Sunday. Okay. Mom didn't take us to church every Sunday, but um, people would take us to church. Like if I stayed, spent the weekend with my grandmother, my dad's parents, I went to church. Okay. There's a church in Center Ridge uh, right now called uh, Center Ridge Baptist Church uh, in Landmark where my uncle, uh, Lonnie McTire, was the pastor for, for, oh, many, many years. So we went to vacation Bible school all the time. Um, Christmas, Easter, that's where we went. Okay. So I was in church, but we wasn't consistent. But when I got older, I'm going to say I was like fifth and sixth grade. I started, I kind of started my own faith journey. When I say my own faith journey, my grandmother used to give me Bible stories for Christmas, you know, and y'all don't have to worry about this. These, those old books that um, they used to sell them, used to order them from, of all places, the doctor's office. And it would be just <laughs> Bible, Bible lesson book. And so she she started giving them to me as soon as I could read. Hmm. And so I literally would I I learned a lot more about about the Lord by reading all those books she gave me. Okay. And so I started reading the Bible on my own. And like I said, we would go to church every once in a while. An aunt would take us to church sometimes, but um, I I prayed a prayer. I told, I told the Lord, I said, if you let me go live with my father, I will join church and get baptized. Because I want to go spend, I want to go, I, I, had, I was only seeing my dad doing a summer. Mm-hmm. So every summer I would go spend the summer with him. Then in school, I would come back and stay with my mom and my sisters. Well, it so happened that my daddy said yes and my mother said yes. So I joined the church and got baptized. Okay, then you said I didn't. You didn't answer my prayer. Let me get on in. I, I, you did what you said, and so I did what I said. So I spent my seventh grade year in Miami, Florida. And believe it, even while I was there, I would fast. I had learned about fasting from reading some books. I'm telling you, I was <laughs> I was I was reading, you know, and I would not eat until lunch. I wouldn't eat breakfast before I left home. And I would drink water throughout the day until lunchtime. Okay. That takes I think that takes some serious discipline for a seventh grader. Was any did you see other people in the family fasting, or is just it just came from your reading and you like, I'm gonna try to apply this? Basically, yeah. Okay. It was I think felt like I could do. I know I literally never saw anybody else do it. It was just, I read about it. Um, I was, I've always been big into literature. So there were other things that I would read. So I just did it. So that's like my first, I guess you could say, <laughs> let me see if God, let me see if God know what he's talking about. You know. <laughs> Do you remember the day that you got baptized? What that day was like for you? 
Oh, not only do I remember it, I probably could drive you to where the church was in Little Rock. Okay. <laughs> what was that day like for you? I'm always interested to pe hear people's day of baptism story because, you know, sometimes people like they get dipped in the water and they feel something physical. Other people, it's you just got dipped in the water and you came back up. What was your experience that day? The, my, my, my experience was more about the people around me more so than because that was one of those times. It was one of the few times that it seemed like everybody was there. My mom was there. My grandmother was there. Uh, my dad and his his parents and and all you know all of them because that's where I joined church was with my my paternal grandparents. I joined their church, which was Mount Harmony Baptist Church. I joined that church, and which again was one of the churches I went to all the time when I so everybody knew me. Mm -hmm. And but we had to go to Rice Memorial to use their baptism pool. See, I told you I remember everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember her having to put a plastic bag over my head so my hair wouldn't get wet and they put the robe on me. And when Reverend Abraham, who was the pastor at the time, baptized me, my grandfather, who was Otha Merrick Sr., was a deacon at Mount Harmony. Mm -hmm. And he was there. And I just remembered his smile because he was so proud that his grandbaby, which, you know, if you don't know about old people, that was most of the time, that was my name. They never called me by my real name. That's Ulta Grandbaby. Ulta. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting baptized. And um, so it was more about, it seemed like that one act brought everybody together more than anything else. And after I got baptized, I can't say I felt different, but I did because it was like I did something I promised. Okay. It was more, it was like, for me, it was like, okay, if I promise something, I have to do it from, it was like, it, for, that was like, from now on, I cannot, if I can't promise something, if I can't do it. I like that, that at a young age, you were able to feel that and know that and stand by that. You know, I, when I think about my baptism day, it's a lot like yours in the fact that everybody came together and that was really special for me and really personal for me. Uh, there was just a, a unity and a connection that I think is important. And I think that probably is the thing that stands for for me most about the day. So it's always interesting for me, like I said, to hear other people, like, do you even remember the day you got baptized or what it was like? Um, and I think it's because I'm so family oriented and I know you are as well, that that is one of the things that stands out the most from that day. Um, so you said you were in Miami. How long did you stay in Miami? Like what's going on? You hitting the beach? You... <laughs> Uh, I'm 13, so I don't think I'm hitting this where I can where I can get dropped off at. Uh, <laughs> uh, I actually loved Miami. Um, I, I I I came back to Little Rock and I said I wanted to stay. Then I changed my mind, but I didn't end up going back. But one thing about being in Miami that I really loved, I actually loved going to school. As a kid, I used to love going to school. I know. Everybody don't say that, but I actually did enjoy going to school. Um, and in Miami, school was so full of different things, so, so so full of different cultures that I did not get to interact with in Arkansas. You know, I had friends from the Dominican Republic, you know, Puerto Rican friends, uh, for, you know, black friends, white friends. It was such a melting pot that, you know, and then the weather, we might get up and get on the bus and it's freezing. By the time you drop out, get dropped off, you know, your coat is stuffed in your backpack because you're sweating. Yeah. <laughs> or it's raining so that you got to roll your pants leg up to get off the bus to wade through the water to get to the sidewalk so you can get to the house. So, you know, that was that. And then I always think about uh, the friends I made. Like, 
I'll give you one. There was a friend of mine. She had a birthday party. They had a swim pool. And I remember my daddy dropped me off at the birthday party and we he's and we stayed out tonight. And he's like, Oh, my baby giving the big girl staying out late tonight. That was like the big deal. That was like a huge deal. <laughs> uh a bunch of uh <laughs> twelve, you know, going on thirteen year olds in a in a swimming pool. Oh, I don't know what just happened. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Somehow my phone is doing stuff. Uh, in a swimming pool, just having, I mean, literally just having fun. And the girl was like, hey, my daddy has it. Because they had, a, they lived off the canal. And so there was a dock, there was a pier. And he had a cage. And because girls would be girls, we went to look to see what was in a cage. It was a barracuda. So <gasps> we all screamed and dropped it back in there and ran. First of all, I don't know how we thought it was going to get out. <laughs> Let's start with that. <laughs> <laughs> don't even matter. It don't even matter. Barracudas are a terrifying looking fish. Just because she, she was like, I would see what it's like. Yeah, let's see it. And you know, the funny thing is, no, and I guess her parents was like, what really can they do out there besides swim? Nobody right. thought we'd take our little selves down to the pier because we had everything we needed. We didn't need, there was no reason for us to leave the pool. There well, was, I mean, everything didn't have no reason other than she was like, My dad has a barracuda in the cage. Okay, let's go see. <laughs> <laughs> we want to see it. Uh, so, you, you're talking about teenage years, and I think that's very, I think we all make decisions that are like, This does not even make sense. You had no reason to go down there. What <laughs> were your teenage years like? When it comes to your faith, how are you navigating your faith? I mean, you talked to us about fasting. Did the friends you hung around just all throughout your teenage years, were they people of faith? Or was it like, what is that looking like? Well, the older I got and became more teenage-y. Uh, <laughs> I like that word, teenage <laughs> My mom, when I came back, she decided to join the church and we started going to church and I had friends at church, but I didn't go to school with any of those people. Like none of the people that went to church with me went, lived in the same neighborhood or went to the same schools. Well, I take that back. One or two of them did. But it, the funny thing is it wasn't the ones I was close to. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they did get to the high school, I was older than a couple of them. So, you know, but as far as my faith, I still prayed. I didn't fast as much because, well, I became more teenage. Right. Uh, but I will say, and by no means was I a good kid, but I was an obedient kid. When I say that, when with my mother told me to do something, I did. Okay. Um. Again, I came from an era where if they tell you to go put your name on the list, you just put your name on the list, and then you find out what you're gonna sign up for later. <laughs> That literally was my church life. Put your name on the list. What I signed up for. <laughs> Glad you got to put your name on the list. We was just going. Oh, well, no. So I just happened to walk in this particular time. And, and, of course, the youth director is telling her what he's about to do. And he's, of course, telling her, well, you know, Kathy should sign up. Uh, <laughs> as if that was the only child she had. Uh, <laughs> So Kathy had to sign. So I walked in and I was like, Mama, go put your name on it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> then I came back to conversation. What did I just sign up for? Okay, you're now on the puppet. I'm learning how to do puppets. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I did the puppets. I was in the choir. Uh, and anything else they told me to do. The one thing I didn't do, I was never a, a youth usher. That was that was never uh that was never part of my, you know, mm -hmm. I carry yep. it. So I carried it right to the choir saying, <laughs> uh, <laughs> now I sang a choir all just about all through high school. So where else was I going to go? Um, so we were active. Um, I was, <laughs> I was telling my kids, I was like, yeah, I'm tell you about that, that time my mom decided she wanted to be the church band driver. And they thought that was hilarious. I was like, yeah, y'all. 
felt yeah, yeah, you know, fell asleep in the back of a van that didn't belong to your mama. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> living the dream dream. I think for many of us our teen years are a time you know to just kind of discover yourself and your faith and as you're growing you begin to develop a real true relationship that's separate from your parents what do you think is the moment that you really, aside from your mama pushing you and prompting you to do these things after your teen years, or it might even happen in your teen years, I don't know, the moment that this faith thing became more, I don't even know if personal is the right word, but more independent, like, And more, I, I think I know what you're asking me. So, yeah. story time. Uh, <laughs> actually, for me, I've had I would say several moments, but mm-hmm. I would say the first moment like that where it separated was um, in high school. Um, I was dating this guy named Kenneth, <laughs> who got, became my husband later. But we started dating. And I told him, I said, if you want to take me out, you got to come to church with me. And I said, and we go to Sunday school, so you got to be here early. And he went to Sunday school. Okay, then. And uh, he he started going to church with us. He started, I mean, on Wednesday nights, Bible study, all of that. He He was constantly there. Well, unfortunately, I well fortunately I got pregnant. When I say fortunately, because Kane was a blessing and is a blessing. But when I got pregnant with her, that tested my faith. Now let me back up and say this. One thing I can say that my mother recognized how I read and how I study. So I would read my Sunday school lesson before going to church. You know, a lot of teenagers didn't. So when I got to class, I had questions. Right. I I need there's things I needed to know. I she was like, You want to use my concord? I would look at stuff because she was like, I, I remember her looking at me like, This girl is sit, really sitting over here reading this lesson. <laughs> so she, <laughs> so you know, again, I'm a reader. So I had started again, I had I kind of had a connection now because I did know some of the word and because I did have, um. I don't know what you would call it. I had I had very strong feelings about certain things when it came to the Bible and when it came to church. And I really didn't care who you was. I wasn't going to do or go against what I felt or I, I felt was right. Right. And, and so that's why I'm sharing with you about me being pregnant. Back then, if you became pregnant as a teenager, they used to make you stand in front of the church and apologize. And so when I got pregnant, my mom said, well, you know, you got to stand in front of church. I said, no, I don't. Mm-mm. She said, "What?" She said, "You're not gonna do it." I said, "No." And she said, well, "Why not?" I said, "Well, is everybody else gonna stand up there and apologize for whatever sins they're doing?" I know that's right. And she was like, "No," and and it was something I don't know what it was. I don't know when I became pregnant. Not that I had a real good filter on my mouth anyway, but I like literally lost tact. So I just said it straight <laughs> face, and I just whatever, you know. And so I had to sit down and talk with the pastor. He was like, well, Kathy, you know, you got to do it. And I was like, I'm not. Well, you know, you can't sing in the choir. That's fine. I'll get back up there. And I was like, he says, I was like, no, I'm not going to apologize. What am I apologizing to them for? I didn't do nothing to them. I think it's amazing that you were able to have that attitude and courage of your convictions at your age. Like, how old were you? I, when I got pregnant, I was sixteen. Okay. I was, yeah. When I had her, I was seventeen, but I was sixteen, and so for whatever reason, I just it wasn't like somebody did something to me. I just knew that no, I'm not gonna do that. Because I know now a lot of people would be able to say that 
and feel that, but that is very, I think your reading of the Bible, I have a very clear understanding of who God was at that age, probably helped you some to be able to say, listen, y'all, who, well, who going to apologize to me? The thing about righteous. It's good to have that kind of spirit. So you talked about the fact that you ended up getting married. Um, do you, did your faith play a dis play a part in your decision to get married or you just were in love and like, this is what we need to do? How did that roll out? Honestly, I think both of us just decided, well, we're just going to be together. Uh, and <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is what we're doing. And so we got married. It, I mean, yes, I loved him. Yes, he loved me. Yes, we, we had a child together. And we had decided that we were going to build a life. And yes, I feel like my faith had a lot to do with that because it took a lot of faith for me to, to kind of stick to that, to stick to my gun, to say, well, yes, I'm going to wait on this guy because he joined the military. Mm -hmm. um, no, I believe this is right for me not to leave my child and go off to college, but to stay here and to be responsible and to stay part of the church. So that's what I did. I, I, I feel like the grounding in my family, my family had my family foundation connected with my faith. And this is what you do. You know, to me, it almost felt like a natural progression. It wasn't like, well, I'm getting married to you because I had a baby by you. It wasn't that thing because if that's all I felt, I'm pretty sure I would have said no when he gave me that ring. Yeah. Because um, I wasn't afraid to say no. Uh, so it was more, it was like a combination. I would say, I feel like it was my faith and my family because we were family, he and I. And and connect. So this is what family does. Family sticks together and we build our family. And my faith was a look was a lot more grounded than his. I was a lot more into church than he was, which really didn't play out until we left Arkansas. Okay. So were y'all he was on because you said he joined the military. So you went wherever he was stationed. Yes. He would he joined the Navy and we moved to Connecticut. So let me ask you, what is it like to be away from your family and your church home with this little baby in a whole different state? Do you think that I'll let you answer how you see fit because I don't want to give a leading question, but how did that impact your faith, your walk with Christ? What was that like? Well, <clears throat> funny thing is, I really it really didn't bother me. <laughs> I guess because I, I, remember I said during the summers I would leave my family and go spend the whole summer with my dad. Yeah, so kind of used to leaving. You know that part was was not hard. But the funny thing is, when we got to Groton, Connecticut, that's where we were. I literally because we didn't know anybody. He didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. And my neighbor, when we finally moved out of the, because we had to, we had to move up there and the military put us in some type, it was this little hotel that they had for people when they first moved up there. And then they find an apartment in whatever apartment they stayed in until they get military housing. And when we finally moved into our apartment, my neighbors wasn't even from America. They was from Jamaica. So <laughs> no, they didn't know nothing about it. And we didn't know one of my neighbors was from Africa. So again, nobody, they couldn't help me find church. They were just as out of place as I was. So okay. I took a phone book and looked for Baptist churches. And I found one that would pick me up, Kane up. And that's how I found my church. Hmm. Well, it's good. You know, folk, kids nowadays, they don't know anything about phone books and like oh, flipping yeah. <laughs> <the> pages. <laughs> To find information, I found uh, quite a lot of information in the phone book if I wanted to know something. So it came in handy. Nowadays, people can like Google 
great churches near me. Did that church end up being a good fit for you? It did. We end up going, um, and then Kendall started going with us, um, and found out that a lot of Navy people attended that particular church. Okay. So, yeah, it became a good fit. I want to back up just a teensy bit because I thought this question and then I didn't ask it. How did becoming a mother change your faith and your connection to Christ? A lot of people talk about motherhood as being like very transformational and because you're bringing new life into this world and it's a different love experience. You know, I have not pushed a child out of my womb, so I don't know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> well, for me, it may not have been necessarily transformational simply because I was 17 and I had a lot of obstacles during my pregnancy. I had to fight against the belief that everybody was trying to push on me that this means your life is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even prayed, God, why did you let me get pregnant? Uh, because I had plans. I got accepted to a couple of colleges. I was trying to get out of Arkansas. I had plans and it changed during the pregnancy because then I started realizing that I had to fight just to exist. And when I say just to exist, not to be condemned, not to be talked about, not to be treated like a second class person because I'm now carrying a child. You know, technically I was a child carrying a child, not to looked on, looked down on. You know, and um, so I had I had more of those experiences. So I prayed a lot. You know, I prayed a lot because I had to keep myself together. Um, I didn't lose any friends. Um, but before I got pregnant, I was uh, on the drill team at Hall High School. I could no longer do that in the twelfth grade because I'm pregnant. Right. So those friends. I no longer hung around, um, but friends from my neighborhood, my boyfriend, his friends, they became my circle. And so a circle formed around me in kind of a protection. And I always felt like that was God buffering and protecting me, you know, from those people that would say ugly things. And people can say, people don't talk about, I will give you an example. I left out the school and left and forgot something. Went back in the doors and it, some girls I walked past going out. You know, I'm pregnant. I walked back in and it was like, I don't know how she's walking around here pregnant. I would be shamed. And I, and I, they didn't know I was behind them. And I just politely said, but, but would you be, sh-? I said, but you weren't shamed to lay down with them, was you? Mm. And they jumped and they looked at me. And I just kept walking. So that's the type of, and now that's at school. Now, mind you, stuff was said at church too. I'm quite sure. But I will tell you how good God is. One of the elders of the church stood up and he, he, he said, he's, he said it like this. He said he was upset. He's like, I'm so tired of, of people talking about her and him talking about me and Kenneth talking about he only coming because she, she, cause she brought him here. But how else was he supposed to get here? I know that's right. You know, at least she brought him. And now, mind you, I wasn't the only person that got pregnant in the church. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, the other people that they boyfriends and they wasn't coming to the church. Uh, not saying I'm better, but he made the point to literally stand up in front of the church. He's one of the elder deacons, and he made a point to say, "Be quiet." That's good because, you know, a lot of times they will not, especially speaking up for a young girl, especially back in the day, they will not stand up and speak up. So that's a blessing. Yeah, I was blessed. I really was because, like I said, and I had never heard him say he had never said that for anybody else. But it was something he was like, they are a young couple and they are trying and they working together. And we literally was, the church had built a new building and we was the first couple to get married in a new building. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, so we're talking marriage. 
did you you're in a new state you're away from your family y'all are navigating life with this sweet little baby um finally found your church home you're cemented in that how long was it before you added to the mix because you have how many children total I have five total. God bless America. So you went, <laughs> what was the transition from one to two like for you? Um, And just, just for clarity's sake, the, I only had two with Kenna and, you okay. know, we're now divorced, but um, it was really emotional. It was really emotional and it was so much more emotional than it was my, again, I guess because I had to be so, I had to do so much fighting when I was pregnant with Kane that I, it was almost like I wasn't allowed those kind of soft emotions or just feeling overwhelmed. And I remember I looked at Charmaine and, oh, just to back up, I knew I was about to have her. And so my mother was planning to come to Connecticut. She was like, I'm going to come. When you have the baby, I'm going to come up there. I'm going to spend a week with you. And I called her and I said, Mama, I know I'm going to have this baby anytime now. So she got on a bus and rode a bus to Groton, Connecticut. Aww. And so she spent a whole week taking care of me, taking care of Kane, because Kane was her favorite girl. Mm -hmm. and, and she had, she was like Charmaine, that you know, that's the second daughter. And Kane was three at the time. So we had kind of planned it where it would be a little bit of space between them, but they wouldn't be so separate, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, couldn't connect. And it wasn't until my mom left that Charmaine was laying on the couch. And for some reason, I was just overwhelmed and I just started crying. Like, what am I doing? Nobody was in the house but me. But I was just standing there. She was asleep. Her name was at Head Start. I don't know what I, I don't know. I just started crying and I had this overwhelming feeling of what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. And then it was gone. It was like that one, whatever, how many minutes I was crying. And then I was like, and I remember talking to my mother. I remember talking to my aunt. And they said, they kind of said the same thing. Just do it. You can't think about it. You have to just do it. And that's what I did. I can imagine that would be overwhelming. I would think it would be a big adjustment. To me, the thought of having one child would be a big adjustment. But then to have two. And your support system is not there. It's not, right. It, it's States and states away. So I can imagine that would be a very overwhelming experience. So you talked about the fact that you ended up divorced. Do you want to talk about how the divorce impacted your faith or if it was just <laughs> my? I won't say much about it, but <laughs> I will say that was. There were things leading up to the divorce and I have to say this because it wouldn't be fair we lost a child okay um we actually lost two I was I had an ectopic pregnancy and then we had a stillborn and it was our son and that really is what kind of ended our marriage and by that I mean I was hurting he was in a different state. I was in Arkansas and I felt less supported being surrounded by family and not him than I did when I was in Connecticut because it was him that I needed. Right. They, they didn't, they didn't help me make the baby, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, not that there weren't other things, but I always felt like that was kind of what made me pull away from him. And I can honestly say that I was not talking to God. I wasn't, I wasn't at church. I wasn't doing none of that. Um, Cause I was hurting. 
And when I went to some people in the church, instead of getting comfort, I was kind of told, well, if he's doing, if he, if your husband's doing this or that, it's probably your fault. Excuse me. Mm. So I kind of pulled away from the church. I'm just going to be honest. I pulled away from the church and <laughs> yeah. I definitely want honesty on the podcast. I think quite often our interactions with other people or Christians can cause us to maybe like pull back a little bit and be like, wait, like, is this God? I mean, is this how he thinks? And is this how he acts and he operates? So I think that's a very natural response to be like, you know what? I'm out. Cause I've definitely had seasons in my life where I've been like, I'm out. I'm good on that. So I think that's, I think that's very natural. So life is moving along. You are divorced. Let's talk about how you get through these next years. I mean, you have a very full life. You have lots of stories that you can share. Are there any other pivotal faith moments? Yes. That, okay. Um picture in 1997 <laughs> like the golden girls <laughs> right this is <laughs> arkansas not i ain't been to italy but anyway Listen, mama did that joke the other day telling us something and i don't think it got the laughs it deserved because i was laughing on my butt because golden girls was they, mine they Listen. didn't get it <laughs> it wasn't like immediate because it's like when you hear it, you know the setup because it's always <laughs> you know, picture <laughs> you know like you know exactly like you see her face you see the hands you see like back in Sicily how this would not have happened anywhere else like nah man. Right. so in 1997 I had joined another ministry um and I had actually just found out I was expecting. And it was Easter. And I remember sitting in a church. And I just started crying and crying and crying. And I almost didn't come to church today because I didn't feel that good. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to go to church today. And I went anyway. And I heard the Lord say, I'm calling you out. And I'm like, no, no, you ain't with my pregnancy. And I ain't married. And so he kept, he kept on. Like literally, I kept trying to ignore it. And finally, I by the, by the time I was showing, I couldn't ignore it anymore. It's like after after that Easter, he just kept that that Easter. I ain't gonna say because she was born in June. So no, that Easter is when it ramped up and he was like, so you're gonna act like you can't hear me. <laughs> uh and I had to literally admit the fact that God was calling me to preach. That was very pivotal in my life because first of all, I come from a Baptist church and they didn't believe in women preachers. Yeah, you're not getting up in this pulpit. And honestly, I was like, you can't be talking to me. You can't because look at all I've done. Look at this wrong I've done. Look at where I come from. Uh, you know, I just had all these reasons why he couldn't, but I also realized he really was. And I actually stood in front of the church and said, God has called me to preach. And when I said it, people was like clapping their hands. It was like, I knew it. I knew it. How you know? You know. <laughs> but just like some other things in my life that came with pushback. That came with people calling me, uh, saying God don't call women. That ain't what God said. How, well, how do you know? Did you hear him when I was hearing it? And I literally had to, again, get back to that fight mode. And kind of put up a wall against people that I love. Mm -hmm. And people that loved me, but did not believe that God could call me. 
So I know you said some women, or I said women, some people in the crowd were like, I knew it, I knew it. Do you have people that specifically affirmed you and like gave you guidance and helped you on your journey? And were those people that were in your church or you had to look outside of your church home? Well, it was people in my church. Um, my best friend, Kim, who was who was there with me. Uh, but it was also people outside my church. My father was a big proponent. Okay. Which was, which he came to hear my first sermon. Now, my mother didn't because she didn't believe in women preachers, but my father was there. My stepmother was there. Uh, there were women that uh, knew me from a child through my father, sent me messages that were now ministers and preachers. I have, there was, I have a cousin who has been, uh, who, she has probably been to every school you can be, go to. She's an author. She's written books. She's helped write Bibles. Of course, she was affirming me. She's she's a, actually a, a pastor in Little Rock right now. Um, and I think she's still over Bullock Tem Temple, the church across the street from cent uh, Central. Mm -hmm. um, I think she's still a pastor there. Um, and so it came in different ways. It did not come from who would normally be my immediate support system. Right. So was that difficult for you that your mama didn't believe in what you were doing? No, I know that's funny because I you have to, you have to know me. <laughs> the kid that did the opposite of everything. Right. The opposite of everything. I did the opposite of everything. I, um, I was just me. It did, you know, I also was the kid that was the daredevil. Like, if it was the porch was high enough, I was going to jump off of it to see what happened. Yeah, so I guess it was like your mama probably was like, mm, makes sense. Like, she, <laughs> <laughs> tried to, she tried to talk me out of it. Trust me, she had people call me, had relatives call me and say, that's not right. And God don't call women. And uh, all kind of, I mean, like she tried to convince me. And you know, it makes me think about Samson's life and how he found a bride and his parents knew what his mission was and what his purpose was. But his bride seemed to be like against, like, it didn't match up with the plan in their eyes, but the Bible clearly says like his parents didn't know that was God's plan for his life. So I think it's important to see real life examples of people that are living in our day and age to do what God called them to do, even if it doesn't match what a parent wants, a sibling wants, a spouse wants, to be sure of God's voice and to be able to walk in that, even if other people are saying that don't look right and that don't sound right. Because it's easy to say that for a lot of people. Like for you, you are independent. I'm going to do what I need to do. But for a lot of people, that would be a hard, that would be a hard crossroads for them to say, is that really your voice? Is that you I'm hearing? Um, so it's good you were able to stand up and do what God called you to do. So, like, I'm I'm definitely gonna uh, do a part two because I know there's so much more stuff that I want to ask. Them. I'm not gonna ask this episode because um, I'm gonna say those questions because it's a lot of like you know from our time and and other times that we've gone through either together separately stuff that you've like gone through and I want to save that for like a whole episode because I I know how how in-depth those conversations can be but with all that in mind i do have a question for today so thinking of, um and just to skip further further ahead i guess at this point how then did it make you feel when kanae accepted her call the first time and then subsequently when she got um licensed much like me but in a baptist church Honestly, I think I just thought about it when you, you mentioned it. Um, 
I was very proud about, and I'm, and I'm continuing to be very proud of Kanae. When, when she answered her call as a teenager uh, and as a youth minister, I actually knew that that call was on her life. She had struggled with some things and I would, I constantly prayed for her. And so, but I also told her, if you're not ready, you don't have to. And when I told her that, I meant like, you can preach this and you can do it here, but you don't necessarily have to let it consume you. One, one time she was called to preach uh, at a, at a church in Little Rock and it was on her birthday. And I was, and she said, yeah, I want to accept it. I said, are you sure? Cause it's your birthday. And she said, yes. And she went and preached on her birthday and they gave her this big basket of stuff because it was her birthday. It was like, you came, do I, you, and it's your birthday, you sacrifice. Um, and then for her to step back in it, I honestly can say I probably felt even better for her to step back in it than I did when she accepted the first time because not only did I know she was ready, I knew she was doing it with a pure heart. And for it to be at a Baptist church, God's funny like that, you know? He is. That's like a full circle moment. <laughs> right. It's a full circle. He brought it all the way back around. And I just I always, I always felt like that was kind of a wink and a nod. And <laughs> I guess you got <laughs> See, I brought it back. You know, that, that's what they you know. So that's I guess that's a short way of saying it made me happy both times. Well, all in all, I think in terms of like the story point, we're pretty much like at uh the I guess I will say the halfway mark. Um but it's more like a quarter because like I feel like I know I got at least four episodes in my head of like stuff that I can talk to you about because you have so many um, great stories. But I guess we'll just end on like I don't want to ask you where your faith is now because I'm going to save that for whatever the last time we do this is. But what is... um what do you think the young you uh what what was her biggest expectation for where your faith would be? He loves to ask the hard hitting questions on the spot and doesn't <laughs> want to so you can you can have time to think yeah. about it and marinate. He like my brother doesn't understand that some people he's He's all he's Johnny on the spot. I could ask him. <laughs> so when you were five, hmm? what do you <laughs> about what? this guy today? And he has an what's your answer? You asked about well, me when I was five. Well, I'm asking you. <laughs> yes. Uh, five year old me is right before I get to Martin Luther King. Am I still in daycare? Am I at Tiny Tots or? You're in kindergarten. You're at Martin Luther King, bro. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm not. If I'm in kindergarten, I'm at Central. So that kid would have been like, oh. wait, and, uh, it doesn't have to be scary anymore. Like, I, like, cause I still remember I cried so long when my mom Oh, such a me. big crybaby. I can't wait till y'all have kids. Uh, Give it back to them, like, Lord. It was a whole, like, but I mean, you talking about me. If I'm the crybaby, like, all I'm gonna do is, like, I'm gonna have to train myself to just, let you cry versus taking you with me because that that's it you, you broke my heart but no so five-year-old me would have thought about like oh wow like we get a car and our house and a wife and like that would have just blew his little mind because you know we didn't really interact with people like we didn't even have friends until like first grade like we had some friends that like knew us from kindergarten but kindergarten is such a blur uh, even um, one of my teachers, like, so they got kindergarten gifts for everybody. This story has been told, I think. And they forgot to get me one. Now, mind you, oh, really? I'm at Never the school <laughs> that my daddy. father teaches at. <laughs> and, and they forgot so, to get you a gift? And so uh, the Santa Claus that year, one of my teachers went and got a gift for me. Oh, that's nice. Oh, See, I told you he would have an answer. I told well, you. I have, I can give you a part of an answer. How about that? Okay. I like it. 
so the young me, what I would tell the what, so what the young me expected is what I'm actually working on. Okay. Okay. I like that cliffhanger. Uh, the young me expected um, to be an author. The young me expected to be living on the water somewhere. Uh, the young me expected a whole lot out of us because, and I say us because she's still here, mm -hmm. so much in us. But life kind of got in the way. And life started lifing. And because um, I always tell people as a kid, even as a kid, I was uh, hyper responsible. And by that, I mean, it's, if I did it, it's my responsibility. So it, what I want to do has to be put on the back burner until I do what I got. So the young me expected certain things and she's going to give them. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Thank you so much for clearing time out of your schedule to give us the part one. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have a rich, full life, so it's hard. It's very difficult for me to condense it, but I want you to be able to share your story in whichever way you want to share it. Um, and it's not just inclusive for you. It's for anybody that wants to come on the podcast and share their faith walk. I love talking about faith and how you navigate life with Christ and sometimes how we try to push him out the way but in the end he 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 has the final say so it's always good for me to hear I'm a real I want to know like what it's really like not the pretty not the pretty parts not don't paint it up say it like it is because that's what's been helpful for me in my life so thank you for being willing to share and my brother's put you on the spot he got you down for three more and I don't but y'all that's between y'all <laughs> Listen, the, the favorite's gonna favorite. That's all I'm gonna say. And I know that my mother loves me. And you know, also I know that it's like a it's it, it's also a big thing personally for me in a lot of different ways to have your story and you tell it in ways that we will have that we will always be able to like go and listen to that we will be able to show you your maturation to remind you who you are and who that five-year-old said you was going to be. Um, right. Because our walk is so often marked by, you know, not just our successes, but our tragedies. It's, it's marked by like, what was our faith like? It was marked by what was God trying to show us? And do we understand in, you know, do we understand, did we understand before it that life was going like, shake us do we understand in the middle of it what do we understand after and are we all putting those things that god showed us to use so that way we can be an example that we can be a testimony that it's not just like ain't no sob stories in the world other than the ones you feel like telling like in, in a way of just making it a sob story you know right. like yeah there are sad we all go through sad stuff we know in this life, we all going to feel pain and we all going to meet our maker or whatever that is at the end of this life. Um, so I'm always just appreciative that you have gone through so much and you just know the different perspectives. I, I was talking to Kanae about this the other day. The thing I love about you most is an accountability as a parent to say when you made a mistake and then say, I'm not going to do that again and work through that and then like just it's not something you see often because we're often taught that it's like you know i see you make that mistake i can't call you on that mistake because you're gonna smack me in my mouth or <laughs> you know you're not gonna say you know it's a uh you know come in here and eat dinner you know it's like it's not sorry it's come eat dinner and 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 those kind of things so seeing that is something that i appreciate about your faith because it it then like clicks in your head like oh yeah i need to I got to be more accountable to to this or to that, but I really do appreciate that. That's that's my one little extra platitude to extend this episode. Thank you, and I will say this: I learned that from my father. I learned from my father. He is a person that will tell you he's made mistakes, and I've seen him make mistakes. 
he's made him a front of me. I've heard about him. You know, he also is a person that says, you have never got, if you want to talk about me, you ain't got to tell a lie, just tell the truth. You know, that's that the truth sometimes is 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 worse than a lie. But we share a lot of truths, and he he's always been very honest with me about his mistakes. And I feel like I learned a lot from listening to him admit his mistakes. Um, so, and I've made some. I'm telling you, I got I got. I got a, I got a couple of three, four, six volumes of mistakes. <laughs> we all do. We yeah. all do. Okay. So, guys, I really appreciate each and every one of you that are listening to this podcast. Please make sure you rate us wherever you're listening with five stars or whatever you think is appropriate to this. We appreciate any and all commentary. Just know that I am saved, but that don't mean I won't throw hands. Um. Anyway, with that, I want you to remember that it's not just you or I that preach, but we preach. And until we meet again, guys, keep preaching.